Pastor Pat, that is not fun. That is not on my bucket list. From what I've heard, it's no fun at all. So um, definitely keep them in your prayers. Um, we were, uh, this weekend, had the men's retreat, and um, some of the men are still heading back. Uh, me and my son took off early this morning and come back. And um, it's a beautiful thing. It, it's one of those things that always kind of catches me off guard is when you're there, there's, I don't know, five, 600 men, and they're singing worship songs. And it's, it's just so powerful to hear those men singing. And I always kind of take a little video clip on my phone and send it to my wife um, when she said it gave her goosebumps to hear it. So um, I do that. But it, it, it's a sweet thing. And I, I've um, been sharing the gospel with people and, and talking about how to grow. There we go. So talking about how to grow in your faith. And one of the things is worship. And um, I have no musical talent at all. And I, I, I know better than to try. So, But um, one of the things with worship, it's, it's kind of a strange concept for somebody who's never been in a church. I've been raised in a church, and I'm, I'm used to it, but it is, it's a strange concept. You're like, we get together and we sing songs to Jesus, and okay. And um, I, I was talking and uh, sharing, an older gentleman that was with us was sharing, and goes, you know, you got God who's created everything, right? What, what does he need? What could you give him to bless that kind of person in that relationship? And we get to in our worship. It's something that the God who has everything in creation, we get to use, and we get to use our voices, and we get to bless him with it. And um, so um, I know uh, just you know, going and hearing the men sing, it's an awesome thing. Seeing the men that are there and even just the men in this fellowship, it's such a blessing to see the strong godly men we have in this fellowship and how God's been working in their lives. It is, it's, it, it's encouraging to see that when you see men that are, that are going and wanting to seek and know how to serve the Lord better, you know, and serve their wives and their families. So um, let's go ahead and pray for this morning. Dear God, we thank you for your word God, we pray you just meet us where we're at, meet our needs, Father. We ask that you would just come into our lives and speak to our hearts today. God, we pray for the protection of the men traveling back from the men's retreat. God, continue to protect them, continue to pour into them, Father, as those things and the things you laid on their hearts um, just take root in their lives, Father. We also lift Pastor Pat up to you. We pray you uh, comfort him, Father, that you would just restore his health. God, and just take away any of the pain he's having. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to be in the book of Mark, um, chapter 10. We'll be starting in verse uh, 32, so Mark chapter 10, verse, uh, actually 35 is where we're going to be starting. Got my notes here. I got an iPad because I couldn't print them, so bear with me. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I was looking at it. We, we covered part of this um, in, in, at the men's retreat. We came across a couple of scriptures, and something kind of stuck out to me. And it was this question that, that Jesus asked, and he, he asked it um, a couple times in the scripture recovering, is, what do you want me to do for you? And, and I was thinking, it's, it's not something we really think about you know, God asking us, what would you want me to do for you? And I think many times some of these basic truths in Christianity, Satan kind of likes to cover up 
or, or to not let the light shine on them. And it's not like there's a whole ton of truths in the Bible that are new and to be found, but a lot of them are very basic truths. In many different situations, we see throughout Scripture that that we tend to forget or, or get numb to, or um, they kind of come come through and they, they get twisted, and Satan would know, love to twist this, you know? Um, most people's view of God outside the church isn't a God asking them, what can I do for you? It's more, you know, if, if I was to come into church, oh man, God would just give it to me, man. He's, you know... God's righteous and all that, and I'm just a bad guy. He'd punish me, you know what I mean? I don't think God's happy with me. You know, I, I think, you know, they have a, a fear of God, this authoritative figure that wants people to do things his way and serve him, not a God who's loving and serving us, right? Not, that's just not the, world, the world's view of him very much, and, and Satan loves that. You know, fear God. Be, be away from this authoritative figure that's just not happy with the way you are. Not a God who is a serving God. We have a God that's a serving God. Um, you know, a, a servant gives all he has. You know, that's what it is. He's, God is giving all he has to us. He is an awesome giver. Our God likes to give gifts. Um, in John 10.10, 10, it talks about how he has come to give life and life abundantly or life to the full. You know what I mean? We, we have this life. He, he's a good shepherd, and a good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. That's a giving God. You know, and um, it's one of those things that I don't think we really think about. We kind of... I don't know if I wake up thinking, well, what can I get asked from God? That God's asking me, hey, what, what can I do for you today? You know, I always kind of think, okay, well, you know, I need to serve God and, and those things. But it is a basic truth. God wants us to ask from him. Um, you think about in a scripture, there's King Solomon, right? And King Solomon, he has been given, he's got the kingdom, he has riches, he has authority. He's been given this whole position. And God comes to him and says, what can I do for you? You know, and, and Solomon responds, well, I want, I want wisdom. You know, and, and God increases and gives them the riches and those things along with it. But that God, you know of any other religion where their God asks what they can do for you? It's always sacrifice to that God, right? You know, we're, you know we got this God, he's strange. He asks, what can, what can I do for you? I love you, I want to serve you. And, and we see this in, in their scripture this morning in, in Mark 10, 32. We kind of see it through this next portion. We see it two times, okay, where Jesus asked this question. That's why that kind of portion of scripture stood out to me. And um, he kind of back you up where we're going to get going here. We're, we're in Mark 10. So he's on his way down to Jerusalem, to the cross, okay, to where he's going to sacrifice and die for us. And he's headed down, and you go down, even though it's heading south, it's actually up. There's about a 3,000-foot climb up through Jericho into Jerusalem. And so he, he's hiking through that. He's got his 12 disciples with him. And for the third time, he tells them that he is going to be betrayed, that he is going to suffer and die, that he's going to be mocked, he's going to be spit upon. And, and so he's telling this for the third time, and they kind of... Typical disciples are not getting it. 
They're still talking about who's going to be the greatest in his kingdom. It's kind of like you ever hear something you don't want to hear, and so you just pretend you didn't hear it. You know, and so that's where they're going. And so we pick it up in verse 35 here. And it says, Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him, saying, Teacher, we want, to do, we want you to do something for us, whatever we ask. Huh. Could you imagine if your child came to you and asked that? Mom, Dad, I want you to do something for me and whatever I ask. Like, okay, what are you going to ask first? Then we'll talk about if I'm going to do it, you know? It's not quite the, the answer. <laughs> you know, it's kind of an interesting question, right? If I was Jesus, I, you know, hey, guys, let's, let's talk about how we approach this, you know. Um, but he doesn't. Jesus, Jesus responds in verse 36, and he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Simple question. What, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us that we may sit on one on your right hand and one on your left hand in your glory. But Jesus says to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be able to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? You know, they're thinking, okay, you know, it's glory, the kingdom, you know, the, the one who sits on the right side of the throne and the left side of the throne. And, and probably compared to the other, you know, 12 disciples, since they were brothers, they figure, well, we'll ask for the two best positions and we'll let him figure it out or we'll augur the right and the left later, you know. I mean, well, you're going to be the chief of staff and you're going to be the vice president in this kingdom here, you know, and... And so maybe, maybe on their way up, they know where they're headed. They know they're headed to Jerusalem. They know Jesus is his triumphal infantry. They know he's going to rule and reign. And, and so they're kind of, this is where you've got to make your move, right? And so you get these two brothers ready to go here, right? Oh, yeah, well, this is the time we better, um, you know, speak up and, you know, get our position now before we get down the road and one of these other guys jump up there and start asking, you know, we, we might as well ask first. Where does Jesus come into his glory? Who's on his left and his right? They, they totally missed it, right? They didn't, they didn't know what was coming. Jesus was hung on a cross. Who was to his left and who was to his right? That, that's where his inauguration, if you want to say, right? That's when he came in. In heaven, we know it's a whole different situation. But who's on his left and who's on his right? They, they kind of miss that, you know. He's, he goes, can you drink this cup? I mean, Really? You know, that's, that's not, it's not for me, you know, he talks about. And many times, they didn't know what they were asking. You ever have a, when, when my kids were little, and, I, and I've seen this a hundred times, you see parents, you get them their food, and you get it ready, and it's hot. And all they want while they're sitting there, and I want it now, you know, and they're begging for it. And you're like, no, if I give you this, it's going to burn you. You don't know what you're asking for. You know, and, and any good parent, unlike me, no, any good parent would not just hand them it and say, okay, here, learn your lesson, watch. You know what I mean? <laughs> say, that's hot. <laughs> you know? When it, it doesn't happen that way. And many times we do that. We, we ask for things that, that, that we don't know what we're asking for. You know what I mean? We, we don't have the knowledge. We don't have the wisdom. Um, you know, many times, God, if I just had this, I'd be happy. It, it would be good. And God's going, no, no, that thing would actually, that wouldn't be good for you. It'd bring you harm, you know. Um, he's a good giver. He's a loving father. I, I think back to Disney, Rexy, you know, influence your life, Aladdin. Well, I don't know if it was on the first Aladdin or second Aladdin, but at some point or the TV show thing they had after, there was a bad genie. You know, and you got this giver, you know, okay, you can ask anything, and any good kid knows the first thing you ask for is infinity wishes with your three wishes, right? You want to make sure you're covered forever, right? But, you know, in the little TV show, this guy asked for, you know, the lost city, all the gold in the lost city of Atlantis. 
Next thing you know, he's under the ocean drowning. You know what I mean? He's like, ah, you know, I want a, a hundred gold bars, and they fall on his head, you know? You didn't, you, it wasn't, you know, you, if you got whatever you asked for, it could be very bad. You had to be very smart, you know, with the, with the genie to get away with it, you know? And that's not the God we have, you know? He's not a, a bad genie. He's loving. So when you ask him, you might get a no for your own good, you know? You might not know, you know? And verse 39 says, they said to him, we are able we're able to drink this cup. Yeah, sure. You know, the two brothers there. You know, yeah, we can do it. We're going to take it. You know, we got it, God. You know. Yeah, I've had my kids do that, right? You ever have your kids try to help you move something? And you're like, Dad, let me hold that side. You're like, no. I got it. I got it. You give it to them. You know, their toes are smashed and wife's yelling at you. But, <laughs> those, <laughs> so, um, but, you know, they're thinking, hey, we got it. And so Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and my left hand, that is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard this, they began to get greatly displeased with James and John. The rest of the disciples were like, oh, man, they beat us to the punch. Now you guys are in trouble. He asked him, and, he, and, and Jesus did say something. I guarantee you they weren't focusing anything on the fact that Jesus said, no, you can't sit on my right and left. They said, Jesus said they were going to get baptized in the same baptism he was. See, they got something out of this. What are we missing out on, you know? They got something over there. Something's coming they got that, from asking, you know, and they're all upset. And, and sure enough, James was the first martyr. He was, by church history, beheaded. He was the first. And then John was the last um, he, he, we don't know for sure, but he was he said he died of old age. Not that they did not try. Um, secular history and, and some of the, the writings say that they tried to boil him alive. And uh, by God's grace, the, he wasn't. And, and so you see this. They ended up going through that baptism. You know, they didn't quite understand what they were asking. I'm sure later on, a couple weeks later, they're thinking, why did we ask for that? What were we thinking, you know? Boy, were we wrong. But Jesus, verse 42, says, But Jesus called to himself and said to them, Do you that, yeah. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentile lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be among you. But whoever desires to become great among you I lost my line here. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be be your servant. And those and whoever of those who desire to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. You know, Jesus came to serve. It's right there in Scripture. Jesus, his whole point was to come and serve. We have a serving God. And, and not just to serve, but he came and sacrificed and suffered to serve. He didn't come, you know, like you would expect, you know, triumphal entry. Okay, if God was coming down, we're going to have this huge stage set up and Jesus is born. No, he came lowly. And he came and he became the least and, and he serves. And it's just one of those kind of basic truths we forget. You know, do you wake up thinking, hey, God wants to serve and bless me today. Not normally. I mean, 
it's like, okay, I got to do this, and there's these things, and, and my focus isn't on it, and, and we should ask. He wants us to ask. You know, and, and not asking amiss. I mean, you can ask for things, and, and, and sometimes it doesn't seem like you're getting any answer. Repeatedly, and there might be a good reason for it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, f- name it and claim it, you know. I, I, was, I was raised in the church, and I think I might have tried that once, you know. Mom, Dad, give me the car. I claim it in the name of Jesus. I said, go to your room. <laughs> so you know, I gave up on that pretty quick. No, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there, there's a thing, you know, where, where there's a relationship, and he wants you to ask. You know what I mean? He, he wants to be part of our lives, and he wants that communication. Many times, you know, you think, okay, God, that came, and he serves, and he serves us, and of course he knows. Do I need to ask? He's God. He knows everything. Should I ask? Do I bother to ask? You know, we, we kind of get complaining with, you know, if God's going to give it to me, he knows I love him, he knows I have a relationship to him. If there's something good, he's just going to give it to me. I don't need to ask. You know, I don't want to, God wants that relationship. And he's like, hey, I'm waiting for you to ask. Verse 46, we go on. We have kind of our second example here. Now, as they came to Jericho, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude was coming with him. So they're going. There's this great crowd. They're all headed up to Jerusalem for the Passover. So just picture this road. It's packed with people moving through. And it's this climb. It's a pretty steep hill. There's kind of, at this time, kind of two Jerichos. There's a lower Jericho, the poorer section, and, and a richer section. So they're kind of between the two, actually, heading up the hill here, climbing up the path. And we see this blind man. It says, blind, a blind man, Bar, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when they heard it, was, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many warned him, be quiet, but, don't, but he cried out even the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So you have this huge crowd. You have a blind man there at the side of the road, collecting what he can. You know, he's got, his, he, he's got his garment out. He's got it on the ground so people can throw coins on it, begging, you know, doing his, his little thing. And he hears this commotion. He hears there's something different in the crowd. And he starts to hear the name Jesus of Nazareth. I've, I've heard of that guy before. People's talked about him. And, and so he starts crying out, Jesus, son of, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around, hey, shh, shh, quiet down. And he's thinking, man, this, this, this is the only chance he's got, right? He can't see him. It's not like he can j- jump up and wave a certain direction. right? All he can do is cry out so he gets louder and louder and louder. And, and I, I kind of you kind of think, as he's crying out, you know, I, I kind of think it's like, Sometimes, you, you know, not that God's occupied or anything like that, but, you know, for me and my kids, you know, get dad, 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 dad. At some point, you pay attention, you know. And you got this crowd, and he's trying to hear it, and dad, 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 he's crying out. You know, and Jesus stood still. Okay, doesn't, okay, kind of seems, why do you need that? Well, think about this. If you have a large crowd of people pushing up a hill, okay, it, I don't know if you've ever been anywhere where there's a large crowd of people and somebody stops. <laughs> like, hey, what are you doing? It's not a place to have a conversation. Move. You know? And so he stands still and commanded him to be called. 
Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, arise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. I love this response. Okay, if, if, if you are a beggar and you are homeless or even just living in that time, okay, keeping track of your possessions is a big deal. Okay, putting your garment out where people are throwing change on it and you just throw that aside and start heading. Okay, getting through a crowd's hard. Getting through a crowd blind is going to be a little harder. <laughs> this guy's just going, right? He gets up, he throws it away. That, that's his belongings. That's what, he's, that's what he has. Anything he's holding on to is it. You know, if you leave it behind, it, if you're blind, besides having a crowd of people that are going to steal or take whatever they want, right, or getting trampled over, if you're blind, how are you going to find it again? I have a hard enough time finding my keys, and I'm not blind. <laughs> you know, I lose it, leave something behind, I'm looking for it and looking for it. You know, and he just throws it aside. He's done with it. That old life, he's just over it. Right? And he's running towards him, you know, and Jesus is waiting. And verse 51, and says, so Jesus answered him, what do you want of me? What do you want of me? I mean, you could kind of sit there and go, hello, I'm the blind guy over there begging, obviously. I want my sight. I've heard this, you know. I've heard these stories, you know. And Jesus asks, though, what do you want of me? You know, he wants that interaction. The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus then said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus on the road. It's interesting, this term Rabboni is only used twice in Scripture. It's used here once and when Mary was in the garden. And it's not just, there was kind of words for teacher. You had a word for teacher that was the teacher of, you know, like your high school teacher. You refer him to teacher. But then you had like the teacher of California. You know, oh, well, they're the, the rabbi, and you gave him a little higher standard. Rabboni is like saying the teacher of the world, the nation. It's, it's a very great uh, standing or a very great confession of who he is. It's a lordship kind of confession there. And, and he, that he might receive his sight. And it's kind of interesting because something greater kind of happens here than, it, than just receiving his sight. Four times in scripture, we see Jesus using this, this, this terminology, this, this um, kind of wording here. It says, your faith has made you well. Okay, and, and it, so it's talking more even beyond the sight about like salvation. When you see this used in scripture... Um, a good example is that the, the ten lepers, okay? The, Jesus heals them. He tells them to go to the temple, do the cleansing. They do the cleansing, and one comes back and worships Jesus. One comes back. In that sense, he said, you're healed and go to the temple. So they, they're healed. Don't tell anybody. Go to the temple. Go show, do the, do the ceremony so you guys can be clean. And one comes back and worships him. And that one, which happens to be a Sumerian, comes back to worship him. The one foreigner comes back to worship him. Jesus says to him, your faith has made you well. Well, he was already healed. So what is it talking about making you well? And and, uh, when you look at that, not just he's saved, but the things that that implies, right? Jesus just didn't come and say, hey, I'm died for your sins. Good luck. I'll catch you in heaven. Hope you make it there. Well, I know you'll make it there at some point. 
So I'll see you on the other side. Good luck. No, he came to make us well. He came to give us that life and life to the fullest, right? Not just wait for heaven and, and, and you know, hopefully you, you, you don't get too banged up on the way. You know, this life, this life to the fullest. And so we, we see this and, and their faith making them well, this, this, this salvation there. And, and immediately he, he threw his garment away, right? And what did he do? He followed Jesus. This is about six, seven days before he was crucified. The man's eyesight that was returned watched Christ die on the cross. He followed him to the cross. He followed him up, you know. I'm sure when he got to Jerusalem, 3,000 feet higher, I went, oh, yeah, I should have brought my garment. That might have helped. It's a little colder up here. It's not quite Jericho, but he just gave up everything. I'm, I'm following after Christ. What, what an awesome response we see there, right? This heart. And God asks us, you know, he asks us, what, what can I do for you? Now, the, the, you know, are you, are you lacking joy in your life? As many times I sit down and go, yeah, I'm lacking joy. I'm surviving. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, I have a peace and a joy, and I'm very, very, very joyful in the Lord, serving his people, serving these things. Yes, I got to get up and go to my job to serve my family with all this joy I have. You know, there's, there's, you kind of get, I got to bear my cross, brother, you know, type thing going on instead of, is there a real joy, an underlying joy in your life? And, and, um, John, all the way through the last part of John, um, let's look at, um, where is it at here? John fourteen thirteen. Yeah, John 14, thir- verse 13 and 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Pretty cool. This is Jesus going to the cross, right? This is weeks before he's lining up. All these things are said. He, again, in, in verse um, chapter 16. Find that here. Yeah. Chapter 16. Verse 24, it says, until now, you haven't, until now you have asked nothing in my namesake. Ask, and you will receive it, that your joy may be full. And it's kind of interesting. Sometimes I think um, of what we ask for, that our joy would be full. I mean, if, if you go, okay, ask anything of God. I'm like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. I want a new Ford GT. And God might respond and go, Tim, you want your driver's license too? Because in about a week, you'll probably lose it. <laughs> the car isn't made to go the speed limit. How about a used Honda? You know, oh, Lord. But, you know, sometimes we just ask. We ask amiss. And um, what about a title? Forget about things. You know, what, a, what about a title? One thing that you, you start to learn real quick with, with any kind of title is there's requirements of that title. Okay, famous people expect you to be a certain way, right? They expect you to perform. Most people that are famous are performers. There's a reason, you know. With a, with a title, people expect certain things from you. They expect you to act a certain way, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, you think about, okay, what about a godly title, right? That's always a good one. How about pastor, Okay. Well, we see that God's a serving God, right? And he's the chief shepherd who is the servant of all. 
So if you want the title pastor, which means shepherd, which means you're an underling under the chief shepherd, that makes you the second down shepherd, if you would, of God's people, which makes you the second greatest slave. So you have the first greatest slave was Jesus, and then you have you, the second greatest slave. You know, um, you heard, I, I heard one pastor, I think Dave Goose, goes, you know, if you're truly in the ministry, you can never step down from the ministry. You can only step up out of it. If you're truly serving other people, there's no stepping down out of ministry. And, and many times, you know, we think of, yes, I'll be a servant in this way, and when I'm a servant in this way, it's, it's going to be so great. It's kind of like, I get the picture of like NASCAR, you know. You think, okay, I'm the servant, and you pull in, and you got this whole team of people to help you, you know. You stop, and people are, you know, getting you a glass of iced tea and changing your shoes, and, you know, so you can go back out and serve the Lord, you know, and preparing you for the racetrack, switching your tires type thing. And, and, and so some of us kind of have those ideals or the thoughts of, you know, this, this what would be great with the thing, you know. And, um, you know, and maybe you don't expect that, you know, obviously if you're serving in a church or somewhere, you don't expect that of people in your church. But when I get home, my wife's going to bring me lemonade and slippers and my pipe or whatever. You know, I can't have a pipe or a Christian now. No, but one of those things, you know, where you just think, hey, when I get home, I, Lord, honey, don't you know I'm serving the Lord today? I was there at the church and we were helping out. And, you know, we were helping out with the homeless and all this stuff. So can you rub my feet? And she's there with all the kids going, I've had the kids all day because you're over there helping out at church. Do you get a serve? When do I get served, you know? And, you know, we should be the chief shepherds, and, and a chief shepherd is the greatest servant, you know. And, and it's one of those things of um, you, you find joy in there. The greatest will be the least. You know, I, I can imagine sitting there and praying going, Lord, Lord, I, just, I, I you know, I want a million dollars. And God said, no. Okay, well, how about winning the lottery? No. Okay, how about stocking apple? No. I mean, <laughs> Well, what do you really want? Well, I want joy. I think, I think this would bring me joy. Well, if you want joy, why don't you just ask? But the joy you're going to have isn't going to be what you thought it was. I'm going I'm to use you to reach out to some people here. I'm going to use you, and you're going to sacrifice, and you're going to be so happy doing it. You know, it's so contrary to what we think in this world. Oh, joy and happiness and money and those things. I haven't met many people with very much joy in them. I, I, I've, I've known some people that had way more money than you could imagine. I mean, the own part of Philip Morris was the most miserable man I ever met in my life. He washed his own pool and owned Philip Morris, which owned Kraft Cheese and everything, billionaire, you know, just unhappy. At the same time, there was a lady, um, Bill and Joe Ross Marino, came over from the Philippines, had adopted over 200 kids very tight on their money to survive to support these kids. They couldn't have an orphanage, so they adopted them. And she was glowing. She looked probably 20 years older than she was, but, man, that woman had a joy and a happiness on her. You're like, no, these things don't line up. It was a good, good example for me as a young man to see just this contrast, you know. So pray. Pray, ask God. What? What do you want from the Lord in your life? What are you lacking? And sometimes there's going to be something you go, well, I'll pray, I, I want this, but I don't want to give up this. See, that, that's usually me. Is uh, God, I want your blessing, but I'm going to take my cloak with me. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'll come over there. I want to be healed of my blind sight, but I got my cart. I got this. I got to bring all this stuff with me, Lord. 
you know, I'm willing to do it if I, if I get to take the thing that's, you know, causing me probably most of the pain to begin with, with me, you know. Instead, just laying those things aside and going, God, what do you want in my life? How do you want, how, how am I going to live this life? I want, I want to live this, I want to have joy in this life. I want to, I want to see you move. You know what I mean? I, I want to see things change, you know, and I want to be part of what you're doing. I want to have real joy, real happiness, real peace in these things. And he'll answer you. He'll answer you. And it, it, it most likely won't be the way you thought he would. Many times we've thought of all the things we've needed to do, be able to serve God. You know, okay, I'm on board. I understand serving the Lord. That's where there's going to be true joy, true happiness. And what do you think? Okay, so now I'm going to serve the Lord God. We need this. We need to have, make sure we have a big enough house where we can have a ton of extra people over, two bathrooms. And you lay out this list. And until God, until you do those things, I'm not going to serve you because, you know, we're not equipped to do it. And what I found out is I'm wrong. And those things I thought we needed to be able to serve were actually the things that would hinder us serving and helping people. Those are the things that would have prevented him to share his love with other people and so I just challenge you and and us to be asking God God's asking you what what can I do for you how would you answer that you know and it's kind of interesting you know just being at the men's retreat and and talking about faithful servants and, and what's required to that and involved in that. But our God desires first and foremost to serve us. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's just going nuts serving people, right? They're, they're doing everything. They're like hard to keep up with. They're going, they're serving, they're serving, they're serving. And when you see that and you're around them and they're serving you, and they don't have to. When, it, when it's not, you know, it's not like they're, their job, they're not paid to do it, and they're serving you, and somebody keeps serving you. What's your response generally? At some point, you're like, whoa, 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 hold on. Let me jump in and help. And as you see God serving you and blessing you, that's kind of a natural response of going, God, I'm so blessed by all these things you're doing. I want to get in and serve, too. I, I want to reflect it. I want to do what you're doing. I want to be part of your work and getting to serve. And that's the awesome thing is God's not like, hey, Tim, have you looked at yourself lately in the mirror? I know you, remember? Okay, I got this. I'm God. You're not. No, God goes, yeah, sure, I'll use you. In spite of you being foolish and all these things, I can use you. You know, and then I get involved, and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome, this is cool. And then I get there, and I'm like, God, you sure? I can back out anytime, right? You got the right guy here? I'm, I'm good. I think I, I don't know if I was actually, you know, me and James and John probably have something a little in common here, Lord. I don't think I knew what I was asking for. You sure this is where you put me, this is where you want me? So... I just encourage you guys this morning, as you spend that time in the morning, as you spend your time whenever it is with the Lord, that you'd be asking him, as, hey, bringing that. You, you want to serve me? Okay. How am I going to do it? He's asking you that. Think about how you would answer him in that situation. You know, the first and foremost thing that he did for us was what? He paid for our sin upon the cross. He's not a God that wanted our service, wanted our sacrifice, requires our sacrifice. That's a response that we choose to give him because of what he's done. It's, it's, a, it's a natural response to those things. You know, as, as my wife cares and is loving for me, 
I turn around and, and respond to her, you know. And he, he, he wants to have that relationship with us, you know. It's, it's not like, hey, okay, I'm going to cross off my Santa Claus list now. Okay, Jesus. And every once a year around Christmas, I'm going to say, you asked what you wanted from me. Well, here's my Christmas list, Lord. Rich, wealthy, health, and uh, yeah, I'll see you next year. No, he wants us to ask and keep asking. You know, that'd be kind of like, you know, it's a relationship. Could you imagine that um, my anniversary, I write Heidi a nice little letter. Honey, I love you. And if there's any changes before next year, I'll let you know. Here you go. I told you once a year we have a really good relationship. I gave her flowers once a year. I mentioned it, you know, or more like me. Hey, the day I told you we got married, I told you I loved you, and I'd catch up with that. If anything changed, I'll give you an update. Send you an email. No. You know, it's a relationship. It's in. It's, it's every day. And that's what he desires. And he desires to hear from us. He desires for us to bring our needs and desires. And, and many times, if, if you're asking amiss, if you're asking off, suddenly you, you, you keep knocking on a door and God's not opening that door. Okay, well, maybe I'm knocking on the wrong door. Maybe I need to pray differently. Many times I'll be praying for something and God will step in and, and I'll start changing my prayer. I'll be praying, hey, God, I want this because I think it's going to bring me joy. Instead, I back up and go, God, you know, instead of asking for that, God, direct my life. I, I want this life of joy. What do you want to do? How do you want to do it? You know what I mean? And, and, and unfortunately, you know, he's not as impatient as I am as a father. He's a loving father. You know, he, he saw what James, do you think he was surprised by what James and John were going to ask? I mean, I, I would have probably let him have it. You know, but no, he wasn't surprised. If, if my kid comes nagging at a point, whatever it is, no. You know what I mean? God's not that way. He doesn't have a problem with you asking and asking and asking. And generally, when you find out you're praying and you're asking and, and it, you're kind of seeking him, he starts to change the direction of your prayer. You know, many times if you're praying and praying and the answer's not coming, well, maybe you need to really reassess, change how you're praying. God, Okay. And so, I want to encourage you guys to be asking, and, and um, if you're here and, and you haven't ever asked God to begin that relationship, begin a relationship with this God who loves you, who, who is a serving God. He desires to become part of your life. He desires to serve you. And the first way he desires to serve you is to take our just penalty for sin, for, for falling short, that guilt and that life, and he, he, he did on the cross. He took our sin and he placed it upon him. And he paid for it. And he wants to have that relationship with us. And he, he, he wants to have that day-to-day relationship with us so that we might have this life and have it to the full. That we would be able to continue in this way. And if that's something you've never done, and this God that we're talking about that's very clearly in Scripture isn't the God that you've heard of or know, and you want to begin a relationship with this God, this God who loves you and served you and was willing to lay his life down for you, I would like for you just to, after service here, we'll be up front, um, and just come, ask for prayer. If that's something you're interested in getting to know more about and going, hey, how do I have this relationship? How do I get to know the serving God? That's something you've never done. I, I just encourage you after service, I'll be up here, come talk, and, and we'll pray. And I'll explain a little more so you can learn about the God of the Bible, Jesus, who is willing to pay for your sins upon that cross, who wants this relationship with you. And 
as we come up and if the worship team would come up and uh, do a closing song, I want you to think, as God asks you, what can I do for you? What is that thing in your life that you're sitting there going, I, I wish I was just done with this? Maybe it's a sin you're struggling with that just keeps there. It's that old cloak you just need to put off and be done. God, I want to be done with this thing. It, it, it's dominated my life. It's been too much part of my life for too long. It's robbed too much joy. It's caused too many problems in my family. I want to be done with it. Give that to him. God, take this from me. Maybe it's, hey, God, I want to have a joyous life. I want to have, show me what it looks like. Help me not to be that child sitting there wanting something burning hot. Show me what to pray for. God, I ask you, hey, hey, I want to have joy in my life. I want to have a peace. I want to experience you. I want to know you more. Right? I want to be part of what you're doing. And so, if that's you, just pray as we close and worship and, and think about those things and meditate on them and see what God, God's asking. Hey, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? Let's close in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you so much that you love us so much to give your life for us, that you're willing to suffer and die for us, that you're willing to serve us with the greatest aspect of love possible and to offer your life for ours. God, we pray um, that you would just increase the ministry here at the church. Father, we ask of you that you would be able just to remove anything in our lives that would hinder us from following you, that would hinder us from loving those who are lost. God, we pray and we ask for the lost. We ask for those who are hurting, those who are in need, from the greatest to the smallest, Father, that you would just open those doors to us as a fellowship, us as believers, that we would be able to just share your love, be able to come alongside you and you reaching those lost people and changing their lives, God. We desire, we ask to see you work. We ask to see your Holy Spirit just poured out upon this town and this place, God. We just ask to see your hand move in this time, Father, in this generation. We just thank you for who you are and that you have never changed, God. And help, help our eyes, help us to have sight. Help us to see your Spirit and the moving of your Spirit. To know where you're going and to walk alongside you in what you're doing that we would be just followers of Christ, and that we would follow close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.